This podcast is the result of my passion for languages and for talking to people. I have conversations with language professionals who are willing to share their experience. We focus on their work, but also on how their love for languages has shaped their personal lives. I started my career as a researcher in terminology, but I found my passion for working directly with clients when I lived in the United States and started working as a language consultant for global companies like Sony, Apple, and Google. When I came back to Europe, I was introduced to the world of LSPs, where I had multiple roles, project manager, vendor manager, and terminologist. Now that I am fully dedicated to my own projects, I provide language services in English and Portuguese, mentoring and consulting for the localization industry, and of course, I'm also a podcaster. Find out more on LinkedIn or Instagram and get in touch if you'd like to explore how I can help you with your projects. I am Rita Prazeres Gonçalves, the language worker. This podcast is also available on YouTube. Hi, everybody. I am so excited today because it's been months <laughs> that I had been thinking about inviting Carlos, but I thought, let me have something to show for before I tell him, because he's like a popular person in the industry. He'll be like, oh, who is this woman wanting my time? So I was like, well, now that it's established that at least people have a, a slight idea of what I do and what the, the podcast is all about. So let me invite Mr. Carlos. And it's such, such an amazing uh, day for me because of that. So we were already talking for 15 minutes and we were talking about Carlos' music career. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later. <laughs> Let's start with the languages because I guess uh, the music and the languages probably coexisted uh, in your life pretty much all the time. So let's see how that goes. Uh, but first, Uh, thank you so much, Carlos. This is super exciting to me, and I can tell that it's going to be a great ride. So thank you so much my, for being my here. My pleasure, Rita. <laughs> so I'm really excited to to join your podcast too. And uh, see, again, it was uh, non non scripted as we just uh, yes. asked to say. Would you like me to prepare some questions? Said, no, no, no. You see, that have things roll, and that's exactly what uh, I think that it feels most natural. And I really love these kind of conversations. Yeah, so, so here we go. So as I told you, I did look at your profile because I was like, oh my God, there's so much about this man. How am I going to start? But then I was curious, what did he study? So then I started by looking at that and you actually, I guess you are a teacher at heart and you, it, it's part of what you do. So it totally makes sense in the end that you actually studied at university to be an English teacher, right? So that's how it all started or? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I was one of those Uh, I was one of those students that uh, loved both science and letters. So I also, I loved arts, I loved maths, I loved technology. So I was not sure. It was it was really, really painful to make a decision back in the university. What are you going to study? I mean, do I really have to choose? Or better said, do I have to discard one of those things for the sake of the other? Mm -hmm. say, okay, so what I most liked at the moment, and I still love, is languages. And I love working with kids, I love sharing, and then I love working with people. So mm -hmm. becoming a teacher, school teacher, made a lot of sense to me. Mm -hmm. And I actually did it briefly. After oh, I, you did it. Huh. Yeah, I went to, <laughs> uh, I, I, I went, my, my first working experience, besides playing as a musician to, yes. <laughs> just to pay for my studies, was uh, working as a language uh, teacher uh, in, in Chesterfield, in Derbyshire, UK. 
but I was I was really young and I really enjoyed this, the experience and that was what really opened my mind beyond anything I knew. I come from a very small town, so people are somehow closed-minded. And you, you come from a small town where? Because now I'm not sure if you're Spanish? Yes, <laughs> I, I come from this Spain, Soria. This is my home place. I, I, I come back so often that I don't even have the time to miss it. Oh. Uh, because, uh, yeah, I also find both personal excuses and professional excuses to go back there. <laughs> I, I bet you do. <laughs> yeah, I am really happy to go back in, in the last few years since I established myself as a freelancer. I go back to deliver workshops and mm. lecturing occasionally at the university. And that's really a great chance to to connect back with the with my university. I studied in Soria, in my hometown, mm -hmm. which, by the way, is very, very close to the place where the first manuscripts in Spanish language, in the vernacular language, were found. Wow. So I'm, it all makes sense. <laughs> it all makes sense now. Uh, yeah. Um, after that, uh, I studied in Soria. I spent uh, some time in, in the UK, but I was really young and I wanted to do something something else i i mm -hmm. wouldn't uh so just studying uh something else in my hometown the sense and just i could start um i could start translating uh starting translation and interpreting and doing only the the, the upper half of the of the ladder that mm -hmm. was a crazy first year but i studied these two years of translation and interpreting uh, mm. a lot of uh subjects from the from the first three years and after that, I became, I, I got my degree in translation and interpreting, um, started just roaming around. I was not sure what to do. I loved languages. I loved technology. I loved talking, which is for my favorite sport. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I did a lot of experiences here and there. I went to, well, I did a traineeship. Uh, I yes, I was like, what? I was not expecting that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, why not? But I wasn't. <laughs> I well, how did that happen? I mean, you applied obviously, but how rewinding? Did... Yeah, I did first. I actually went twice. Uh, the first one was a one month traineeship, a summer traineeship, right after I finished my degree. And there was one else for just you know, yeah, so decent performing students. The only students were allowed mm -hmm. to apply for that. And I went there with a, but there were not many people, they were not the rest of the stagiaires and all the, all the freeze and the. And the excitement about the, uh, the 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 school year uh, traineeships that they deliver twice a year in the in Brussels and Luxembourg were not mm -hmm. there. Uh, but after that, I came back to Spain. I didn't know what to do. So <laughs> after a few months doing absolutely nothing, I decided that I had to do something. Playing with my life. music, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I played music, but uh, not 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 professionally, of course. Right. They and I went to Ireland. I went to Dublin. And mm. I spent a year or so in Dublin. So, I mean, I went with a couple of job interviews, but I actually just probably I thought too high of myself. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, I mean, it was after that saying, how stupid could I be? I refused two nights job offers because mm. I thought that I, I deserved You deserved something. more. <laughs> I deserved more. I ended up washing dishes and playing in the street for a while. So, I, I was buskering, yeah, I've been a busker as well, and I ended up, I had contacts at the library, which was free, so I spent a lot of time in the local library, and mm -hmm. um, after that, uh, there was an internet point, uh, so I could I could eventually uh, look for hunt job offers, 
whatever. And I saw that there was an extended traineeship at the European Commission. Ah. Uh, <laughs> but I was really so uh, discouraged. Uh, I was really down at the moment. And the only reason why I applied for that is because I already had all the paperwork done from the previous time. Right. So I didn't have to feel, I, I'm not particularly fond of paperwork. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I, I did it, I sent it and I was accepted. And that was a turning point in my life, my career. Um, yeah, um, that was completely turning from one of the uh, most frustrating periods of my life to one of the brightest periods of my life. I learned how the, the profession of translator inside in Luxembourg in the within the European Commission. I learned mm -hmm. what it what it is like to be a full time translator. I learned proper translation tools. That was my first contact with CAP tools, computer right. translation tools. And I developed a taste for technology, for search engines, for translation technology, so on. And after that, I went back to I went back to Spain. I traveled to different countries as well. Uh, and then I ended up in a call center for Nokia. <laughs> <laughs> that was technical, uh, technical call center. Was this in Spain? Uh, that that was in Spain. That was in Madrid. Uh, hmm. That was in Madrid, and when I did that, uh, I after a couple of years working there, I was a training specialist. I started taking and picking up calls, mm -hmm. right? So, so probably this grumpy old women just complaining <laughs> about their phones not working because <laughs> Nokia was pretty big uh, some years ago, right? As as far as phones go, <laughs> yeah. I I eventually uh, joined the technical team, so it was just the level two support that was mm -hmm. more interesting. And after that, I, I happened to, 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 to be uh, particularly efficient at solving cases. So I, I was promoted to technical trainer. That and sounds good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounded much, much, much better. So, but, I mean, my stomach aches just ended up. I, I didn't have... <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> and stomach aches ever since. <laughs> but uh, I ended up just being in touch with uh, some of the uh, Finnish, Finnish trainers from Nokia. So, mm -hmm. And I have, I was already noticing, I was in charge of delivering the prototypes. Okay. So I brought prototypes, uh, from the, uh, from, from the mastermind sessions in, uh, in Copenhagen and in, in Finland, in Turku, and I brought my prototypes, which I had to deliver training for, for different right. centers, repair centers and so on. So you were and an I, expert on that terminology, right? Yes. <laughs> um, so I, I want to, I, I noticed that there were errors. In the interface and in the in the phone interface and say just for example we we don't use that word we don't say that in in spanish and say and i started asking my boss say okay I, I noticed there are several errors here is there any way we can report this information so that they can improve like they bugs <laughs> yeah there were actually bugs uh, the, the process was really complex nokia was top of the game back in the day and so yeah, there for was, sure the, the, the chain, <laughs> the chain <laughs> to get there was really yes. steep to climb. Yeah, I believe you. But because of those commands, because of those suggestions I made, eventually a translation team from a company called Tratus just ended up, they were in touch with Nokia, Finland. Mm -hmm. They were translation providers for them and say, okay, we have an internal team translating the interfaces and the user assistance, the user guides, for Nokia, and we would like to have someone to coordinate. It was a really small team. There's a three three people translating 
everything. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you happen to know someone who is now language wise, who, who understands translation wow. and translation works and say, oh, oh I, my God, that's I, amazing. I just, might, I just might. So that was my first contact with localization. I didn't even right. know that there was a thing mm -hmm. <laughs> by, by then. So that's, yeah, I, I started um, reviewing the process of localization and just uh, making consistency and consistency between mm -hmm. what was on the screen and the user guides and everything. Um, and yeah, I spent a couple of years. Wow, there. that is really I, I, cool. I was still working as a project, uh, as a trainer, mm -hmm. as a product trainer, but that was my side job within the company. Uh, that was really, really cool. Uh, after that, I I moved to Italy and I landed in a localization company just because of uh, because of that. Your background, I, of course. I, I had an interview. I, I was in Bologna, so mm -hmm. I had an interview at Ferrari. Mm. Oh, right? <laughs> you, you don't you, you don't want to <laughs> you, you don't want to hear what they were willing to to pay for for spending this about eleven to twelve hours there, just working with all the C suit. Mm. Uh, as just taking care of all the phone related issues. Mm -hmm. yeah. Spoiler, they were just paying peanuts. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I refused it. <laughs> yeah. I know sometimes the name of the company sounds very good, but then yeah, I, yeah. I, I know what you mean. I totally know what you mean. <laughs> uh, in, case, uh, in case there are any Ferrari executives listening to us, just please treat your workers right. We hope so, you have changed them your approach. <laughs> <laughs> And pay them in line with your earnings. <laughs> anyway, I joined a localization company because of that nice mix between languages and technology of my previous mm -hmm. experience at Nokia. And then I became a project manager at, at Nokia. Uh, this uh, was CrossGap. It was uh, uh, it was working together with, well, then eventually it was merged with different companies, you know, the trend, the market trend. Yes, right now there are very few big players and plenty mm -hmm. of smaller LSPs. Back in the day, uh, Crossgap was a local company. Uh, they were doing really well, uh, particularly in translating uh, software applications from some of the top players. Mm -hmm. uh, up to date, I still don't, I am still not sure if I am under an NDA to, to disclose the, <laughs> the fact that they were one of the biggest software developers and mm -hmm. operating system developers, okay? Yeah. We were in charge of doing, uh, of doing that. I guess when we talk about the big players, they're like an abstract entity because I, I can say I worked for this one or that one because it's like, what does that mean really, right? That means that this was the end client, but was the chain what was the chain to get there, right? So I guess that's why it's a it's an abstract concept. <laughs> that's when you need to edit the postcard audio and add some beeps in the meantime. <laughs> no, no editing here. You already know the drill. <laughs> So yeah, um, that's what. So how, what was that experience of working as a project manager? I mean, of course, you had experience from somehow managing people, somehow training people. So you brought all of it, plus your language uh, knowledge and your specific knowledge of localization. So when you got to be a project manager, you weren't just some project manager who had no idea because like a lot of people start on the job in the industry for that particular position, which I believe it's like the pivotal um job that you can have in the industry right you're you're the 180 360 person who needs to know everything about everybody right yes yes actually and but i was surprised in the day that i was supposed to, i mean the company there were about 40 people there were engineers there were some project managers there were internal linguists mm -hmm. as well but i was surprised that i was 
only one of the two translators in the staff. Um, oh, I, nobody. I, the other it, people didn't have language background exactly or translation. I mean, we're, we're translating software, okay, but we are mm -hmm. translating at the end of the day. So I, I was assuming that there were, would go, be going to be plenty of uh, translators. There were only two people. Yes, another. Uh, that is interesting. Yeah, and usually, another woman, a Greek, uh, a Greek friend who had more or less a very similar path, a very similar career steps, including staying in Luxembourg uh, for a trade ah. initiative and working at Nokia. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that is insane. In, in Italy, yeah. I think that the headquarters were in, uh, well, they were in Rome, but they had a call center in, in Florence, not far from Florence. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but there were a bit of everything. There were people with very, very different backgrounds, of obviously with a taste for technology and right software and arranging, arranging uh, information uh, neatly. Uh, but we, we, I spent six years there and it was really, really my, I was in contact and I was uh, surrounded by really, really good professionals, some of which mm -hmm. I still uh, look up to as one of the best professionals in localization, even if they are not as uh, as, as, talkative, as talkative or as visible <laughs> as, as me or so of other colleagues, but they have taught me is everything that I now talk about in terms of video translation, machine translation, technology, CAD tools, uh, QA tools, productivity, uh, mm -hmm. PC hacks, whatever. Yeah, I know when you're lucky enough to have, you know, a group of people or, or people like that in your life, and then you just don't forget where it yeah. came from, right? I, I totally agree. So I, I have a couple of people like that too. I was, I was new in the company uh, and particularly during the first couple of years. So, I mean, there was really, really good uh, atmosphere. Mm. But uh, did you, did you do language work or were you just in the... I was, I was arranging projects. I mean, as a project manager, mm. I was in charge of just making sure that every, everybody did their thing. Is the trans Right. The full-blown project management. Manager, <laughs> uh, hiring, did freelancers to do the job. Um, making sure that the language, internal linguists, the internal language leads, uh, did mm -hmm. the instructions and followed up all the queries, the engineers, because there were some complex pieces of uh, localization. Some of them were purely software. Some of them were multimedia. Mm -hmm. So there are several different people, internal and external talent involved. But we were given time to uh, do research. Right. Tools. <laughs> And that was one of the things I'm, I'm really, really happy about that that happens. And I, I know that's not what usually happens in many companies, uh, particularly mm -hmm. those not bite-sized companies, but still not really sizable. There were not corporations, uh, but we were given time, a few hours, I don't know, yes, four hours a week, myself and another guy that's uh, called Matteo Rozzari, which is one of the colleagues I, I really look up to. We're given time to do some research on just playing around with translation memories, with automating processes. That's that's what really raised my curiosity to <laughs> unprecedented levels. Okay, there's plenty of things that you can do with these tools that I was never even aware of. So I started just playing around. I had already been playing. I'm the 
I'm, I'm the uh, your IT friend. That <laughs> when your computer breaks, I, I was that kind of guy. It's okay. Right. Call Carlos in. <laughs> Bring him a couple of beers, some snacks, and he will fix your computer. <laughs> wow, that sounds like a plan. <laughs> if you want to come over. <laughs> I, was, I was easy to, to, to satisfy. Mm -hmm. And then you um, were there for six years. And this was how long ago that you left this particular very uh, nice company? 2014. It's been mm -hmm. there from 2008 until 2014. The mm -hmm. company was merged. Uh, the headquarters in in, in Italy. The company, uh, the Italy uh, office was became smaller. And the structure was really thinner. And I decided it was time to move. I also wanted to do something something else. By the time uh, some of the projects I had been involved with uh, at worn off. I mean, it was, uh, the, the life cycle of those projects was over. I was not particularly excited with what I was doing uh, at the moment. And I decided to take some time off, right? Because I, I was uh, with, my, with my kid at the time. I had a two-year-old kid. Uh. Uh, yeah. Um, with my wife, uh, she, she had not had her maternity leave. And uh, so I, I could take some uh, maternity leave in mm -hmm. uh, back in the day. So I spent a few months say, okay, let's do it now. It's now or never. So we packed our things. We put everything we had in a, in a box. Uh, we were in a rented flat. Okay, so that was not, not, not a big deal. And we went to Central America. Oh. With, with <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> and we went to Central America and we spent volunteering. There's a network uh, of volunteering where you can land the most uh, unusual and unexpected jobs uh, to the thing. I also love working with my hands and mm -hmm. crafts and everything. And I never had the chance to, to, to do it properly. Right. So I spent some time in a, in a farm in the tropical rainforest, just, uh, just working, just polishing wood and working with them, um, feeding the pigs and working with a machete too. So you can just be left anywhere and you will be able to survive basically with those skills. <laughs> Even without saying a yeah, word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, we went uh, repairing uh, appliances, repairing electric appliances in a godforsaken place in Panama, uh, working at a surf camping in Nicaragua for rich Norwegian uh, <laughs> customers. And yeah, really, really diverse <laughs> stuff. No, definitely not what I used to do in, uh, in Europe. Um, after that, I was also helping um, some of the people. This, there were a lot of volunteering going on. Mm. Um, in some of these places, uh, things that the managers, uh, the people in charge of those structures, uh, really knew how to how to do things. Sometimes I could spot a few things just being, I mean, not chaotic, but that could be improved. Yeah. Right? So you were always, aware of the process, how it could be improved yes. in terms of process. Obviously, uh, I, I was wise enough and humble enough not to say anybody, okay, uh, I know that you've been running this for 10 years, but uh, here I come after my second week, I'm going to tell you what to, <laughs> to do things. Right. <laughs> but I just took some mental notes about it. I tried to, uh, 
improve a few processes, but you know, the most mundane things about as in collecting garbage to preparing the menus to whatever, and just trying uh, to assist uh, international customers in different ways, supplying sort of a multilingual policies to in a hostel, for example, where the owners did not speak a word of English, mm. but had plenty of, particularly from Canada and States. Uh, right, makes sense. So basically monolingual customers. Yes. And uh, yeah, when I, when I go back to Europe... Uh, you had just practiced all sorts of skills during yes, this time, exactly. right? I mean, it's my <laughs> more mind intellectual, was, more manual, anything. My mind happen. was bursting with uh, new ideas about what I to bet. do. I go back to my office. Because mm. I had this turn to leave, but after a couple of, uh, not even a, a couple of weeks, some days, I looked myself in the mirror and say, okay, what are you doing here, Carlos? Uh, I think it's time to do things differently. Uh, so we, we, we left in nice terms. I, uh, I I really loved what I did the day, but it was time to move on. Um, and yeah, I decided, I started to, to, to build something for myself. Mm -hmm. So I went freelancing and I started to freelance and it took me uh, some time to put the pieces together. I started uh, writing a blog on, you know, I, I was not sure. I wanted to help people, <laughs> but I still don't know what mm. was the, the, the scope and the focus of my potential business. Right. A friend, a good friend of mine, I was trying to write a blog on, I don't know, helping people, just trying to, uh, to devise a process and follow the steps towards, I don't know, making a self, uh, self-made entrepreneurs, whatever. But that did not work. Uh, I mean, something did not really hit the, the, the proper keys. Mm -hmm. And a good friend of mine, uh, he works in an entirely different uh, industry. He told me, okay, you're trying to help people and that's nice. You're trying to make yourself useful, but you're trying to tell people who have been working in different industries on how to do things. Why don't you focus on the thing you do best? Mm. What do you best? Okay, I'm good. I think I'm good with technology and languages. So right, so you went back to your original That's your thought. niche. That's your niche. So let's, and on top of that, since I also love teaching, I, mm -hmm. I, I never stopped being a teacher, teacher, lately for, for grown-ups. But I, I tried to put that into a single pot. And mm -hmm. so I have different different hats. And when I try to explain to my mom what, what I do for a living, it gets complicated, mom. <laughs> because you're a true language worker, right? So you do language work, even if I, you don't do linguistic work per se, because you, you haven't done that now uh, in the last uh, 10 years or so, right? So it hasn't been your focus to do language work, but you do more of a training, uh, technology training, uh, presentations. So was it from the moment that you created this, I guess you created a company or a service or what no, you created this is, around? This is my, um, this is <laughs> my war name. Yes, Inside Lock Language Services. This is my, my, my butt. I'm registered, but my butt's registered name is Inside Lock Language Services. Mm. And that's something that, yeah, I also spend some time. So your brand, in. let's call it your brand. Just to, that's that's my it. brand. Yeah. Okay, your brand. Yeah, Carlos brand. But I still, I still do. I do translate. I still oh, actually, you do? Actually, yes. Uh, 10 minutes before <laughs> we, I, I joined. Yeah, I joined you. Uh, I, I had, I was delivering just doing the, the final review uh, before. Oh, wow. 
a job. So I do. I don't want to lose contact with with that. And it still takes me uh, about nearly forty percent to ah. my time, something like that. Mm. So in that case, what is a typical day of Carlos in the life of Carlos? <laughs> <laughs> so in this case, there is language work. And there's all sorts of other things, right? So what is the other things that are harder to explain? <laughs> yeah, well, I think uh, this music is an important side of, my, of me. That's my my other big passion. And mm. I also be in front of music. That's probably music is to, to be blamed for my love for languages as well. Mm. Yes, I, I understand that fully. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I remember myself just being a kid nine year nine years old ten year old kid yes right now with an industry with a with a mm. notebook i i was with with my workman and i was already listening to to rock and early metal music and trying to understand the lyrics i mm. i love the music but i was trying to understand the lyrics back in the day we didn't of course uh, that's a boomer anecdote i did not have any access to to, to the lyrics or even to the original uh original printed lyrics uh, of some of the albums. And so back in the day, even many of the albums didn't come with any lyrics mm -hmm. at all. So I was trying to guess, to figure out the how to how to write what I was listening to. And eventually somebody would bring the, the actual lyrics and I convert and saying, okay, so yes. this is what this guy is singing and this is how it should be written properly. <laughs> Right. Uh, yeah, and that really helped me uh, dig down and, and create a method to, mm -hmm. to to understand. And I was an active part in my in my language learning music. I am uh, exactly everybody. Well, I, I always talk about my my start. The the beginning of everything for me was because I'm a, I'm I'm a huge, full blown, diehard Madonna fan. Okay. <laughs> so she's I call her my English teacher and I just saw her a couple of weeks ago and I That's it. I was able to ask because yeah. she's on tour now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was amazing as always. But I guess it was even more amazing. But yeah, I call her my English teacher because that's really how everything started for me, how I started focusing. And I did it just like you. I created my method, I involved my little brother. And everything worked out and I we've never stopped ever since because so I do understand fully when the inspiration comes from something as emotional as our connection to music, even if I'm not a musician myself. So it doesn't even compare to your connection to music, but I do have a, a connection to this whole Madonna universe. And that really has fed a lot of my interest in languages. That's for sure. Obviously, I cannot deny that ever. So I, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, even as a teacher and as a, as a language user, actually. I uh, sometimes there are many people is uh, coming to me and saying, "Okay, do you have any tips on that? I want to start uh, uh, to start learning any language, say German, mm -hmm. English, French, yeah. whatever." Say, "Okay, you need to make a connection with that language, with that culture. That's the very first place." I have never ever met up to date. I have never met a proficient user of any language which has learned that language only because it's going to come up useful in the future for business purposes, obviously. I mean, you can get by, obviously. You can reach a decent level, obviously, but not proficiency. And obviously you will not, you will never enjoy. Mm -hmm. speaking, yeah. <laughs> it's the okay. pleasure <laughs> that comes Only from it. Okay, so we start talking about Madonna. We could spend hours talking about oh, Madonna. Of course. <laughs> That's it. 
yeah. because that, there, there's, there's something that there's something inside you that just something clicks every time you touch one of those that topic mm -hmm. when yeah. with music uh i my my, my very very uh chubby german yeah i i I, not, I cannot say that i i probably speak german but one of the very few times that's probably the language i have studied most right mm. I, i studied i studied three four times in different stages of my life but i never managed to to start actually speaking it mm -hmm. the only time that when i realized that i could actually have a conversation was when i was in a metal festival It was lost. There was no coverage. I was waiting for my friends, and there were just—I mean, not nowhere. The, the the campsite was huge. About sixty thousand people, and I had to wait for a few hours. Okay, for I I, I managed to to guess where to plant my my, my tent. Uh, so, and there were a couple of Austrian guys there, and they would not—they did not speak a word of any language other than <laughs> German. So you um, had to do your best. <laughs> we said, I mean, they just put the music. They told me this grab a beer and we started talking and the more went okay <laughs> beer probably helped <laughs> <laughs> and i found myself having a full-blown this 60 minute conversation in german which <laughs> was something i was not aware i was capable of until 60 minutes before yeah. because the environment and the subjects i, I found a connection yeah and, and fresh beer <laughs> <laughs> No, I But totally that, get it. Especially, well, I mean, you probably have a connection with Germany uh, with music uh, in that context because they're pretty strong, strong in the metal department, right? I mean, of course, it. I know that I listen to this people who are metal, I guess, for the masses because I listen to Rammstein. Just last night, I was listening to it. <laughs> But I guess they can be considered metal. But I know that um, we have a, a pretty famous uh, metal band. They they don't even sing in Portuguese. They only sing in English. And their biggest market is actually Germany. They're called Moonspell. Moonspell. So, yeah, they're pretty uh, well known. Fernando Oh, yeah, for sure. So that's him. <laughs> of course, you know him, right? <laughs> you know these people. So they're they're pretty big there, bigger than in Portugal. That's what's funny. So yeah. they have a bigger market there. So I understand that when we have that, then a lot of things can happen, right? Because of this emotional connection. And I, I totally get it. I'm one of those people. I don't deny it. That's where it comes from. <laughs> it all started there. And it ends there every single day because that's what I do. I go back to it every single day, many, many times. And that's what love is. So then how did you become this very famous person who shows up at every single event that I hear about in the language industry? Was it wow. in 2014 when you came back and you started doing things on your own? Was this uh, before that you were already doing things? Is this more recent? What, what's the story? With yeah, that? that's, that's, that's pretty recent. I mean, I always love uh, talking is my, my favorite and your average chatterbox. So I just needed to, I don't know, to, to monetize that, to, to mm -hmm. just to convey that into a message. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I, just like most people, I have very uh, disparate interests, uh, but I needed to focus on a few things. And it was, that, that was the hardest part. Mm -hmm. Say, okay, I need to discard a few things and focus on something that even that, that I read, I can be really useful. Um, so I started doing what my friend told me to do. Just focus on mm. what you know, what you do best. And another piece of advice that I really uh, held onto was given my, by my mentor, which is one of the 
persons uh, that I most admire in the whole world is uh, Joseph Bonnet, Pep Bonnet from the Europe. He's been working in the European Commission at PAO. And he's now, he retired last year, but I I went to Brussels as an, uh, as an excuse to, to meet him, actually. <laughs> and I, I really, really love him and, and look up to him. And when I, when he knew that I was going uh, freelancing, he, he told me, okay, make yourself visible in social media. And, and okay, saying, I, I know nothing about social media besides just sharing uh, nonsense and, and jokes on Facebook. I know nothing. Uh, <laughs> but I just started working on it and posting things. I decided that I was going to talk about business. Mm -hmm. um, on Twitter and LinkedIn, okay? There are many people talking about every possible uh, topic on social media, and it's really easy to distract uh, since I am a bit, I, I have plenty of interest. It's really easy to for, for me to get distracted. So I willingly wanted to focus on a very uh, specific uh, aspects of mm. language and technology. That was for me, and that's Twitter and LinkedIn for me. Um, obviously, all those language industry, technology, related to language, technology, so on. And I started doing it, and I took advantage of one of the uh, opportunities that, well, I, I studied in Saria, as I told mm -hmm. you, and during our, 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 our Christmas gatherings, so for the holidays, we had dinner, all the, all the, all the students, all with my, with my former uh with my former people at the at the university, and every time one of my friends that works at the university, now she told me, "Okay, now you you've been working in localization for several years, and that's something that not many people are familiar with. I think it would be interesting if you came to the university and gave a, a quick workshop, an introduction, presentation, yeah. whatever." I never had the time at the beginning of the school year because I was busy with with my work. And back from my holiday, from my summer holidays, so that was not possible. But the year that I quit working in the company, mm -hmm. uh, say okay, then why not? Okay, just prepare something. And I did. Uh, it was something like a ninety-minute workshop on, on localization. It was very naive in the day. If I look at the presentation and everything, even the layout and whatever, but. Uh, I mean, it, it was received. Uh, it was received very well, and I, they they wanted more. So, mm -hmm. okay, of course. Really <laughs> Why don't you reshape this and turn it into a full one day or two day workshop? No, uh, we can work on that, and we can invite you to the university, and of course we will pay for it. And say, hey, that sounds good. And so that's here's another chance to get back to my hometown and, and meet people, meet my uh, my professors uh, at the university. So that sounded really good. And it was uh, really well accepted and it was really welcomed. Uh, that mm -hmm. gave me the boost I needed to start developing more content. And I really like uh, talking uh, people and being, since I am also a musician, I love being on stage. Of course. Uh, <laughs> So I I really love enjoying just playing with language and playing around with doing some 
play in theater and dramatic mm -hmm. forces and breaks, whatever, and all the dramatic resources you might mm -hmm. have. So now every time you see an event, you're like, oh, I'm going to send in an abstract and I'm going to make a presentation here. Is that how you, how do you choose? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did that. So easy because there's lots of things to go to at the moment, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, well, right now I'm in a really, I'm in a really happy place right now. And sometimes I submit my, uh, my call for papers uh, and submit proposals. Well, sometimes I'm invited to, mm -hmm. to join it. And I'm really, really honored to, to have because when when I quit my uh, when I quit my my day job, I I wrote a list of the 20 things I wanted to do before I die. Okay. okay? Life goals. <laughs> all them life goals. Mm -hmm. um, one of them the, on, the, on, on top of them was just trying to find out a work that allows me to be happy and make the people I work with happy and mm -hmm. fulfilled. I need to be fulfilled. So that's one of my things. Uh, and the second one is find a job that allows me to travel and meet new people and places. Yeah. So I found myself the perfect excuse to travel. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. And that really made a difference. Just attending uh, on, the, on, the, on the year up, on the following year, I attended Elia together for the first time. Mm -hmm. and that was also a, a game changer to me. Because mm -hmm. you're now a, a, a very relevant member of the association, right? I was going to get there in a minute, but let's go there now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I, I joined, uh, well, I started attending the Elia Together events, which is um, a yearly event that takes place around late February. Mm -hmm. and puts together language service providers and freelancers. And there's plenty of today today. Uh, event with plenty of presentations. This this is the Together Fair, which is a gathering place for where LSPs and freelancers can meet and talk to mm -hmm. each other face to face. And there, and you can meet people who are well relevant, people who want to 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 improve their, the status in the, within the industry and want to improve their professional practice and move forward with their mm -hmm. career, um, as opposed to people who don't join associations, who stay at home and never attend any events, never take any CPD courses and keep complaining about how poorly they are performing and how bad the industry conditions are nowadays, saying, okay, there's, there's a different side to it. Mm -hmm. And joining an association and attending events is the best, most efficient way to do that. So when, when I first uh, attended Elia together, uh, I was amazed at, say, at the, the atmosphere and the kind of topics. Uh, I, I was just a bit, uh, to myself, I was a bit reluctant uh, to, to admit, okay, you're going to a, to a work event, I say, <laughs> that sounds boring to me. Uh, and now it was, that's, that's not something like a metal festival or <laughs> to me, something like that. So I'm, I'm going to spend money to attend a work event as to to do what exactly because mm. remember, I, I was beginning my freelancing uh career doing my first steps as a freelancer so I say okay let's do it in the worst worst case scenario i'm just going it's just going to be a few hundred bucks and i will never do it again right it went great it went so great and i met a lot of people some people i knew i made a lot of contacts and I, while I was looking at people presenting, there were some great presenters that, oh, 
I'd love to be there. <laughs> <laughs> and I applied for it. Guitar um, or not, right? <laughs> that's it. And I, I, I submitted a proposal for mm -hmm. early uh, 2017 in, in Berlin and it was accepted. Um, that was really, really exciting. And that was, I started presenting for these international audiences. So um, I, I, I grew uh I grew used to to it, and I, I really love doing it. I think that I, I improved my, my style and the type of content that I deliver. Mm. I found what people were looking for, and it's one of the right. most important things because it's not that I I want to to talk about me 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 and say okay that's that's today only that we're only talking about you. You know all the very very extremely interesting things I do. Uh, you, people. They, they need to bring something home, right? And, and into the office. So I I also learned what they want to, what they want to pick from industry events. So when they want to pick from technology, what I had to offer and how to put them in contact. So above all things, I, I might consider myself as an expert in language technology or whatever, but I consider myself a bridge. Yes, mm -hmm. I try to, Put people in contact and make net create networks right. um, between people in different sides of the industry because one of the main problems that many people still have nowadays is a lack of understanding of the the pressures and the needs of each side. So freelancers complain about the the rates, complain about the working conditions, complain about uh, the intrusions on work by non-professional translators, mm -hmm. and they put the blame on LSPs. But LSPs are very different. They, they, they span uh, from- Yes, I know. Being their manager for eight years, I, I'm, <laughs> I was in the middle of all that so for many years, and it's really a uh, subject that interests me a lot. Uh, <laughs> maybe I should be a bit more public about it, but I definitely- uh, I, I do have a, a very specific uh, opinion and I think it's, I mean, fundamented by a lot of experience because I was there, right? And I've been in the, in the industry for a long time and I am I, definitely with you. There need, needs to be a lot more knowledge and understanding from each other's perspectives. So yeah. I'm with you. So I guess it's very valuable work. So, yeah. but then after the, the first experience and the first presentation and all that, so now you're in a completely different position because you're now in the, is it called a, a maybe not management, but is it like you have a, a No, no, function? I actually, um, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, Elia is, a, is, is made of companies. It's an association uh, targeting language, uh, language industry companies. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's, it's not open to freelancers, although... They also act as this as the meeting point for freelancers mm -hmm. and LSPs. So my my job there is uh, I'm volunteering at the committee. Mm -hmm. I've been volunteering and helping with different committees over the last uh, four or five years now. And yeah, I try to provide the freelancers' perspective when right. they try to uh, organize uh, an event or something to. Uh, to arrange the program for the LIA together. So, so I, I provide a perspective from my my side of the game, uh, which is usually really helpful because, uh, well, this like in any association, but I really find myself very comfortable working with people. And I cannot praise enough the work that people at LIA do to put together all, all the pieces of the puzzle. And just to, to help to promote mutual understanding 
within the industry. I, I, I'm really happy to, to have been working with uh, Diego Crescetti. Mm -hmm. uh, he has been working uh, as a project manager, as a program uh, operations manager in translation and translation companies. He so he's the owner of uh, Creative Words, right? Yes, he's the owner of Creative Words and has a lot of, of different initiatives. He's also very social, uh, very social guy. Uh, we're pretty like-minded in on so many different on so many different aspects, and we, we have found a really good balance between uh, his way of understanding the industry from his current perspective and my way of understanding things. Obviously, we we talk a lot with different. With different people uh, we have margarida uh this year at the at the committee is really helping us a lot she's a vendor manager as a at an lsp so she provides also a different perspective to things and i think that's the essence of what we do and then in any association just mm -hmm. bring in different points because the risk of this uh, joining an association and start discussing on painful topics is that if everybody's on the same side and everybody has the same views on it and you create uh, committees that fully agree on everything, uh, you're not going to make yourself as useful towards your user base, to your member base, as you would if different perspectives were provided. Mm, that's true, for sure. I hear you. So as you can tell, my image is gone for some reason, which is the first time that it happens ever, ever since I started recording the podcast. But I don't want to lose... Picture, anyway. <laughs> yes, it is me. <laughs> it's another microphone, but it's still my microphone. So, but I don't want to go away before we talk about, uh, because of your social butterfly nature, of course, I know you're also involved with uh, Lock Lunch. And I've had other people here at the podcast, like Gabriella in Algeria, and uh, all of those people who are actually Lock Lunch ambassadors. And this is your case too, right? Yes, yes. Actually, it was uh, Diego Crescetti. We were talking about him a few minutes ago. And another friend from, from Italy is Roberta Tabolacci, who is the ambassador. He's a longstanding friend from wh whom I met at Elia together. Uh, in my... mm. And they said, okay, they, this, this Lock Lunch thing, uh, you would you would love to, to become an ambassador. <laughs> I mean, it's no, no big deal. You just arrange uh, these uh, social events um, and make sure that you spread the word. And it's just a celebration of, mm -hmm. of translation in which industry. Um, I happen to organize several events and dinners and drinks in, uh, in Bologna, which mm -hmm. has been my hometown for, for 16 years, and uh, now in Pisa. Okay, um, yeah, that's uh, that's a really really good initiative that started Jan Hirich from from Beluga Translations mm -hmm. uh, started and it really grew uh, exponentially. The year, so they probably have uh, dozens and dozens of ambassadors in different cities all over the world. Yeah, true. Continents, and I'm really happy to to join that. It's uh, it's it's more complicated to to arrange these events. On, on peak season right <laughs> but but yeah but it's it's really really rewarding to to meet uh because on one side you get to to meet some of your fellow translators who mm -hmm. you already you've already met in different uh, translation events or in other occasions sometimes there's always some new people coming people who are shy uh perhaps are they're 
freelancers, but I'm not so sure what's in what's in it for them. I mean, it's it's this a business? Is this a business lunch? No, no, not at all. It's a completely <laughs> casual lunch, and we mm -hmm. of course we we may discuss business related stuff, but we can you actually talk about everything, including the music or personal interests or whatever. Yeah, Obviously, of course. eventually the conversation will drive towards some transaction related matters but of course <laughs> that has like, to be the case it's normal because that's uh, what we talk about all the time right that's it is between uh, yeah no you have the, the the right uh the right arena to to, to discuss i don't know terminology without <laughs> being kicked out of the pub right by your friends <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know what you mean yeah totally so, but it's it's inevitable that we talk about the stuff that we love the most because all of us like this is what we have in common and it's what it, it just comes out brings us together of course so carlos it's been amazing i am very uh unhappy that my image is now gone because i mean what can i do but i don't know probably the connection problem but it was amazing to talk to you and i was expecting a lot of uh fun but it went even further than my expectations <laughs> <laughs> which is why I don't script the podcast because that's my buskering thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> because that's the way it is, right? If we go into a, a very specific route, then I myself can predict. Then I cannot predict things that are amazing that you know just come to you as you're speaking, and then it's not as interesting. I think so. That's one of the reasons why it's definitely unscripted. So thank you so much, Carlos. It was great meeting you, and now I guess you have inspired me and other people to just you know. Just go out there and attend uh, events. I used to attend a lot of events when I was a researcher in terminology. There you go. But um, to be honest, in the translation industry, which I have been in for ages and ages, I haven't been as uh, as as uh, present in, at events. So it's probably a, a good moment to get started. So yeah. thank you so much, Carlos. It was amazing. I cannot wait to see what you're going to do next. You're always on stage. Now I understand sometimes with the guitar, sometimes without the guitar. Yes. But <laughs> as long as you have a voice and the guitar is your other voice. So I guess you're always happy. It makes me very happy to feel that you're so happy because... <laughs> You it's know, just I, a, I love, I love it's a boost do. of energy I, for anyone who can. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, I, I always say that at the end of the day, what I what I do, I I completely forgot the last time that I woke up and looked myself in the mirror and say, "Oh, come on, I need to work again." <laughs> say, I love what I do. Um, I really cannot wait. I mean, I'm not a workaholic at all because I I really, uh, I really love my, my spare time and doing things that have nothing to do with my job, but in, enjoy what, what I do. Um, mm -hmm. uh, that's one of the most important things you you need to ask yourself when you look in the mirror as after you just washed your <laughs> your face in the morning, you say, okay, are you up for a, an exciting day? Uh, so you don't, it, you don't, it's, I don't want this to, to sound really a hippie, happy coach thing, but really, if you enjoy what you do, it's easy to to show enthusiasm and to perform better and to do things better and to try to improve on a daily basis um so we're on that path uh, yeah so this is also the purpose of the podcast is to make me happy <laughs> or else why else would i do it so i do understand what you mean and thank you so much for this it was great 
And I'm sure that we'll meet one of these days, who knows, in Italy, or maybe you'll come to Lisbon for an event. Who well, knows? There, there are different <laughs> events going on, basically here. So I hope to see you and um, the audience uh, in one of these events. Yes, stop and say hi. Okay? Yep. Okie dokie. Thank you so much. And we'll see you around. Thank you, Carlos. Thanks.